1395 Adelaide's 5AA, this is the First 11 Cricket Show. Got him! Well, that's a good way to do it. Very close. Out! Good shot. Pulled away. Four runs. Bang! Hits that one away. That's six. Saturday at 6, it is on 5 to play the first 11 cricket show. Great to have your company as always. Sam Tugwell joining with Paul Bonzer this evening for another local cricket edition of the first 11 cricket show. Bonds, welcome to you, mate. Plenty to get through tonight. G'day, Sam. Uh, yeah, there's a lot. A packed show. We haven't got many shows left. No. But first, before we go any further, I just want to thank everyone who has listened during the week to our podcast. Uh, numbers have gone through yeah, the roof. Uh, so we really appreciate that. If you haven't listened to our p- podcast, get onto your favourite place where you get your podcast and subscribe to the First Eleven Cricket Show. We really appreciate it. Absolutely, and, and I'm glad we mentioned that because there's been a lot to go through in our back catalogue the last couple of weeks. is very, very interesting. Um, a lot of really important guests that we've spoken to in terms of um, the grade cricket mergers and, and those th- sorts of things. So if you want to catch up on anything in that regard and learn anything new, you can definitely go there and find us in your podcast, the First Eleven Cricket Show. Now, Bonds, Shield Cricket, it is back, and I'm so glad it is. It is back, and we are glad. We love our Shield Cricket, and we love our Marsh Cup games. There's some of them coming up shortly as well, but it kicked off with two games, Victoria playing New South Wales in Sydney, and also Tasmania playing Queensland. Victoria got the points against New South Wales in a in a low-scoring game. There was wickets everywhere. Strangely low-scoring at the SCG. It was almost like no one could find runs, and wickets were just tumbling all the time. So it makes for a very interesting game. Um, and Victoria were forced to score 143, and as their target, and most mm. would think that's a pretty easy target to get, but it was struggle town. They got their six down, and it took a pretty important effort from Nick Maddinson at the top to get them there. Yeah, he hung in there. So the bowling was obviously on top in that game. Nathan Lyon, 10 wickets for the game, took six for 21 in the first and uh, four for 57 in the second. Mm. He was clearly the best bowler out of both groups, but all bowlers bowled well. Patterson bowled well uh, for Victoria as well. Um and, you know, Stark, Abbott, they, they, everyone played mm. a part. But Nick Madison, 77 in the first innings and 44 in the second innings. Yep. And probably the reason Victoria got across the line. And great news for Queensland fans. They scored a win against Tassie um, later today. It was only, it was a very much a late finish on day four. It was a tough chase uh, for Queensland. Needed to get to 310 runs. Definitely did that but with seven wickets in hand. So very tight once more. Um, Joe Burns in the first innings. Uh, fantastic to see him in the runs. Um, he was outstanding. He scored 171 of Queensland's 275. Scored about two thirds of their runs. It was amazing for a guy who was out of form all early, uh, uh, late last year. I wonder if he's just sitting there going, where was this three months ago? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where was this score three months ago? Yeah. But the, uh, skipper Kawaja got them across the line with a beautiful 115 knot. Yeah, important stuff. So good to see that that's back. The Marsh One Day Cup's back as well, which is uh, exciting. We saw New South Wales and Victoria play a game. I think it was on Monday or Tuesday yes. uh, during the week. So, And we saw Steve Smith score one of the most amazing hundreds on a very small North Sydney Oval, which is a postage stamp. But that doesn't matter. The Sixers were awesome to watch. I don't care where you hit them. They're still great. It's, when he's at, at full flight, 
there's not much better. No. Like, you, you, some of the shots he plays, he's still got that extra, extra I can't even say that. <laughs> Straight um, drive? No, what the uh, extravagant oh, leaves. Extravagant, yeah. extravagant leaves. That's <laughs> what I wanted to say. But what a player, Steve Smith. Yeah. And, couldn't get any coin in the IPL auction. Can't believe that. No, I, I was amazed by that. We'll talk about the IPL mm. auction a bit later in the show because that that um, blew some people away, and I think some people's lives have been changed as well. Um, but if you want to listen to this show because you want to hear about South Australian cricket, we will go straight into that because SA play their first Shield game this Thursday. Uh, so just less than a week away now, Feb 25, they're going to be over at the Wacker playing the WA team that are no longer called the Warriors. I was about to call them the Warriors, but they're not called that anymore. So SA and WA at the Wacker on Thursday. WA have only won one game out of their four Shield games so far, and guess who they beat? Uh, might have been us, the Redbacks. Here. Because we've still got a nickname. <laughs> why do you think that is? We're going to change topic just yeah, no, before why? we get into this game. <laughs> why Victoria dropped the Bush Rangers? Yep. Now WA have dropped the Warriors. Why? Political correctness, Bonds. Just want to stay out of danger. Thankfully, the Redbacks, there's nothing to, um, nothing to attach to that. Well, well, the, the spider fraternity are going to come out and say <laughs> it's, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't understand it. It's, it's being too politically. It is a bit, isn't it? But, yes. but anyway, the cricket hasn't changed, uh, it hasn't changed their form nonetheless. And it's tough because last time we did see them, we, we saw them at Karen Rolton Oval and it was an outstanding, uh, match by, by some. Josh Inglis blew us away with a big hundred in the first innings and made us chase some plenty of runs and we just weren't able to do that. So now we get to go over there to the Wacker and face a bit of chin music at the Wacker, which is generally a pretty bouncy dry wicket. I'm interested to see what the Redbacks do in regards to their lineup, mm. I think there'll be changes. And we're hearing little murmurs here and there around Adelaide that there may be changes okay. to the lineup looking to the future of cricket in South Australia. So do we see some new names coming to this squad? Do they rely on the, the young guns like the Liam Scott that's just come in? Surely he plays yep. after his performance in the first uh, start of the Shield season. Yeah, there's. Um, we saw first four rounds of the season here in Adelaide. It was a great hub, but uh, South Australia just couldn't cash in. They really, really battled in uh, in those first few weeks. Lost two games, drew two games, sit tied on the bottom of the ladder with Tasmania. It's it's tough times, and they do need to look forward. And they have had. If we if we're looking at the merger stuff over summer, um, while the Shield season's been on hiatus. The Sacker have had a long time to think about those sorts of things. What are we taking away from the review? How do we set up our Redbacks team? Once again, the team did not fire in the, in the home hub. We had a home advantage. We had players going, being able to go home and live with their families and drive down this road to play home games every week for four weeks straight. Couldn't still put a result on the board that went their way. So they really have to shake it up. And I would not blame them if on Monday their squad drops and there are some big changes. Okay. Let me, let me throw some names at you then. Lloyd Pope, is he in that squad? You want to hope that he's in there. You would really want to hope that he's in there because that is looking ahead and you're trying to invest in the best talent. Do they pick him? I don't know. I can't see it. Okay. After his performance. He got five wickets in the first innings of the of the Shield hub. Yep. Didn't get another wicket after that. Didn't do anything so I, I can't see him playing. Mm. Um, what about your bowling stocks? Is it going to be Sayers, Worrell, Agar? Is, is it going to be the same, same? That's that's the issue, isn't or it? Or are they going to bring in 
do you bring in new names? Yeah, is it is it Nick Winter in that four? You know, mm. are they the four fast bowlers? It's tough because when you look at how uh, and and back on the Pope one, I'm I'm thinking the same. They didn't fire four months ago. It's a bit different. Your form now in in February, March, it may have changed. You may have had a good Premier cricket stint. You may have you know come back from playing some T20 cricket elsewhere, have tinkered a bit, and all of a sudden you're, you're feeling a bit better with the Red Bull. I don't know. You can. That's why I would back in at a similar eleven. But also, if the Sacker have thought about it and want to make changes. And they want to go at the bowlers because clearly they have not taken wickets and they've, no. they've really struggled. I wouldn't blame them for having a crack and chopping a few names out. A man that's going to be missing, and we know that because he's retired, is Callum Ferguson. Correct. Who comes in to fill Fergie's shoes? Well, Brad Davis was hanging around there trying to make that number three spot his own. I don't know if he locked it in. Um, now, I'd like to hope he gets another shot, but Will Bazisto has been hanging around for a while too. He made the uh, made the SA team last season. I don't think we saw him much in the hub, if at all. So, from memory, I don't think he made a team once. So, he, I would like to think he could come back into the team and have another look. Connor McInerney's hanging around. Do you put him in the middle order? Do you keep him up top? Um, Henry Hunt did okay. He was... Holding yeah, his th- own at the I top. Think, I think Hunt hold, probably holds yep. his spot. Yep. Um, who opens with him? That's right. Is it Jake Weatherall? Yep. Who well, knows? Is, is Jake Weatherall going to hang on to his spot? That'll be interesting too. Here's another name for you. The guy who made 140 at grade level, at premier level last week, Jake Lehman. Does he come back? He has been left out for a long time in, in the Sacker circles. I feel like he's been left out for maybe a reason. I don't think anyone knows what that reason is unless you're close. But... It, it, there's a feeling that he deserves a call up now. He, it sounds like he's doing enough of the work. I would love to think. Really interesting. I would love it's, to think I, I he gets a call up. Now we believe the squad's being named Monday, don't we? We know it's being dropped Monday. Right. So stay tuned. We don't have any inside information. We are just guessing here yeah. as to what might happen with the Sackers. But what we are hearing is maybe to expect a couple of changes. Well, that's and that's all we can expect, I suppose, in the next few days. So you can have your say at double two three double o double o here on the First Eleven Cricket Show. Give us a call. Tell us your thoughts. And who should stay, who should go in that South Australian squad? They really, really missed out here in Adelaide when we owned the hub. It was ours. We could play home games and we still couldn't deliver. So do we deserve changes? And should there be some new faces coming to the team? And there's some very young Players we listed on our in our squad at the start of the season too, so maybe mm. they'll tap into that. Who knows? Um, now the Scorpions are also in action right now as yes. we speak. Bonds um, playing in the WNCL, which got moved around a little bit due to a COVID border and, and things like that. They've had to change the season fixture around a bit, but they are in action as we speak on a Saturday. Certainly are, and Queensland they bowled Queensland fire out for 170 in 39 overs, so they did a fantastic job. Uh, doing that. Jess Jonathan top scored 39. Amanda Jade Wellington three for 30 and Talia McGrath three for 34. Oh, brilliant. And Talia McGrath's backed it up with the bat as well. She's made 44, opened the batting with Emma De Bruin. And currently the Scorpions are two for 141. So they're only less than, th- wow. well, they're 30 runs away from victory. Brilliant. 
uh, and flying. So that's only 33 overs down. So they've got plenty of time. And Josie Dooley's on 38 and Courtney Webb's on 33. So a couple of new players into the Scorpions lineup look like they're going to get them over the line for their second win. That'll be huge in their third game of the season. They're currently one and one at the moment. So a second win will put them into that top two, hopefully. That'd be brilliant. Um, so well done to the Scorpions on track right now, but always touching wood just in case. Hey, um, before we go to the break, we're still going to be talking about those grade cricket mergers today. Uh, very shortly, we're going to be chatting with the president of the Port Adelaide District Cricket Club, Sean Holden. Um, this has been, we did this last week with, uh, East Torrance and we spoke yeah. about what their views are on basically having to, uh, look at mergers. Is there a possibility you'll, you'll look at them? How would you deal with them? All those sorts of questions. So we'll ask them very shortly, but the current one that's in action is, uh, the Southern Districts and Adelaide, uh, merger proposal. That's been in, uh, in motion for a little while now. Um, and the special general meeting date was meant to be on the 15th of Feb, so five days ago. Now, that obviously hasn't happened. They moved it. We said last week that it's likely to lob in March now, in the early period of March. But we're starting to learn that it may get pushed back even further to the end of March. Now, this is just delay after delay after delay. For me, I think they're just delaying the inevitable. It just sounds like they're trying to give themselves a little bit extra leeway to get to a vote which hopefully suits both teams, but I don't know if there's much more that can be done. Seems a long time, doesn't it? When they, when they were so eager to have the meeting early in Feb, mid Feb, bang! At three week turnaround, they told them, yeah, they told their members, <laughs> and then we're going to have a meeting in three weeks. Yeah, members went, no, 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 hang on, yeah. hang on. So they pushed that to supposedly 9th of March, and now they're saying we need more time. I wonder mm. which club is saying we need more time. It's a great question. That is a really good question. Is it both clubs? Maybe. Is it is is it Southern Districts to build a, a bigger story for their members to try and get this across the line? Because that's what we're hearing. We're hearing negative from the members, and we had Harvey Jolly on the show mm. last week, who I thought spoke brilliantly yep. uh, about the merger and how he felt. So, yeah, why is it dragging out? Interesting. We said last week that there was a, a new name um, being put to the members of Southern Districts and they wanted to um, ask them what would you prefer if you had a name choice and they said the Southern Stingrays. I believe that's what they landed on in the end. Whether they've handed that to Adelaide and said, look, we would like to make some sort of proposed name including Southern and Stingrays in it um, and now the ball's in their court, who knows? Um, I think it'd be worth touching base with Adelaide, in fact, to find out that. Or if anyone from Adelaide is listening, we'd love a call at double two three double o double o with just any clarification on those sorts of things because they are they are in a stalemate. I think we know both both situations. Southern's board want it to happen; their members don't, and the members have to vote. And Adelaide want it to happen, but they don't mind if it doesn't because they're in a very wealthy situation and they can afford without it. So are we just putting this off for the sake of it or are we actually going to find a solution? And we know Saka definitely want it to happen. Oh, they do. They definitely do. Because they don't want to be, I guess, seen as the bad guys knocking on the door of a club going, sorry, but you're no longer in our competition. Mm. And that's what it might come to. Ben Hook put an interesting um, idea on the table on Sports Day during the week saying that uh, Adelaide Turf could be a great a level A1 cricket in Adelaide Turf could be a great place to put the teams who get taken out of the Premier competition and you could do a relegation um, promotion situation. I don't think that would work. 
I don't think there's a way you could make that work because then you'd have clubs like Woodville, Rinella, um, St. Peter's, all those sorts of things starting to elevate into Premier Cricket if they're good enough and then they become Premier Cricket clubs that Saka sort of have to provide for as well in their own comp. I think I, it's too messy. It's too messy and I don't think that would work. But there's ideas all over the place yes. as to how you can save these teams without making a merge or lose their history and all those things. I, th- Well, Andrew Sinclair didn't say it exactly in as many words, but suggested that a club that doesn't meet the criteria of grey cricket will have the opportunity to play turf cricket mm. with Adelaide Turf. Very interesting. 8223 You can give us a call anytime. You can have your say, and we will take your calls up to 7 o'clock on all those sorts of topics. Sean Holden on the other side of this break, the president of the Port Adelaide District Cricket Club. On 1395 Adelaide's 5AA... This is the First Eleven Cricket Show. 19 minutes after six. Welcome back to the First Eleven Cricket Show with Sam Tugwell and Paul Bonza. And on the line with us at the moment, Sean Holden. He's the president of the Port Adelaide District Cricket Club, as we've been discussing. Plenty about the mergers in grade Premier Cricket here in South Australia. He's just going to give us another angle. Sean Holden, welcome to the program. Thank you. Good evening to all. Great to have you on this evening, uh, Port Adelaide. They've been um, one of the clubs, as have many, I suppose, in, in SA to be talked about in a way of maybe merging with another. Uh, you definitely haven't been involved with any merger talks as we speak? I haven't spoken to any club about amalgamation, no. No. And and if you were to look at in, in, in terms of mergers in, in the future, would it be something that your club would be interested in? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because um, we are the SACA. We're in the Constitution, as are the other 12 clubs. Yep. Uh, and uh, and when you're elected president of a club, you look out for the best interests of that club and its members. Uh, also, you're wearing the hat for the greater good of, of cricket in South Australia. So it's always a little bit difficult um, to marry those two up. You've got to reflect what the members want and also lead at times where you think uh, perhaps the club should go. Uh, the, the Hussey report, as far as we're concerned, 12 out of the 13 are great. And in, fact, and in fact, probably hark back to the 90s when I was involved in, um, in grey cricket and, and the SACA. Mm. Uh, it's just that uh, number 3B in terms of uh, amalgamation of clubs we're not, not so much in agreement with. So are you saying that Port Adelaide and... G'day, Sean. It's good to speak yeah, to you again. <laughs> um, are you saying that Port Adelaide would not be interested in a merger? Are you happy to go it alone at this point or would you be happy to sit down with another club if approached? In the first instance, the Port Adelaide Cricket Club is not looking to amalgamate. We believe that we're part of the answer and not part of the problem. Um, however, we're not that stupid. If a, a club came along and could demonstrate that there's a better way of doing things and provide a better result for our club and South Australian cricket, well, of course, we'd look at it. If Port Adelaide, obviously, were in a, in a situation where they felt they were financially vulnerable, as maybe some are at the moment, um, and were approached, that would that would make the decision a little bit easier for you, do you think? Yeah, but that's all distasteful. You know, we, we've all copped the 13 clubs 35% reduction in the uh, SACA grants uh, under the premise that due to COVID-19 there's less money around and yet there's money on the table for amalgamations. That money could have been used by the clubs this year. So you'd hate to think that there's a, uh, a program of uh, starving clubs so that they have to amalgamate because of lack of funds because mm-hmm. anybody will tell you when you amalgamate clubs, if you're the club with the least amount of money and or the most problems, it's a takeover. Uh, and you need only talk to Rex Sellers, uh, former uh, SACA pre- uh, Vice President and President of West Torrance Football Club, 
and, and all the discussions they had between West Torrance and Woodville and footy to see how that all um, panned out. Indeed, that's probably something that Adelaide and Southern Districts could do is reach out to our ex-sellers and, and, and maybe help them um, broker a solution. It's a really good suggestion. Mm. If anyone's listening from Adelaide or Southern Districts, a great man, Rick Sellers, and a very intelligent man. Sean, is the financial, um, I guess, financially, it's hard to run a club. We know that. We've heard this yeah. from other clubs. Some clubs are wealthier than others. Is that the biggest hurdle for Premier League clubs? Look, what I'd hate to see is this becomes a survival of the fattest meaning that the clubs with the most money are the ones that are in the 10, when this isn't about the pointy end of the triangle. It's the, it's the rest, the other 85% of it, which is the uh, talent ID down at the junior level. It's development of those players through the system. And then there's our top 5 10% that actually play in A grade. Uh, if you get rid of clubs, I mean, if you don't have the cattle for a, a competitive first-class cricket team, you don't fix that by having less, less cattle, do you? Mm. And so that's basically what this ends up being. And look, it's intuitive uh, that if you had less clubs, uh, you'd get a better standard of, of competition and you'd probably get better players. But it's not proven. It, it's intuitive, but it's not proven. In the last five years or six years, we're in uh, Sheffield Shield final two years in a row and then three years in a row, we come last uh, with 13 clubs in that five years. So that suggests that there are other factors at play. And indeed, the Hussey report uh, points to that. Mm. I would have thought, uh, looking at the Hussey report again, one of the things you might want to do, because the Hussey report is all about respect and getting uh, Premier League, uh, Premier League competition uh, respected again, and that link uh, between performances and Premier cricket and uh, that being a determining factor to get into the, into the state side, less so having competitions in between. But if you want uh, um, clubs to have respect and do those things, the last thing you want hanging over uh, about 40 or 50% of those clubs is the, is the pull and the, the op- opportunity that they may have to amalgamate. Well, you know, you can't have both. I would have thought you'd run for a couple of years and see how the other recommendations uh, turn out and still see if that's part of the, the clubs are still part of the problem and then have a crack at it. Doing this all at once, yeah, I don't think we're going to get the outcome we need. If you have eight to ten clubs, yes, you'll get a sugar fix for a couple of years. But I think after that, those clubs that amalgamated because they had to because of finances or weren't working their juniors properly or problem with the schools, identifying kids, that's still going to be there. That's where the issue, that's where the time, effort, money should really go. So it's a relationship thing, isn't it? That's what the Hussey report definitely pointed out was the, the connection or the disconnect, should I say, between the, the Premier Cricket Clubs and the Sackers high performance is non-existent and you believe there should be more. Yeah, absolutely. Look, in the last five years, I think um, we had the, the Redbacks League and that was all the best players put into a short amount of clubs, short amount of teams, sorry, and we came last for three years in a row. Mm. So when we talk about uh, reducing clubs because it's intuitive that you're going to get a better standard of competition, better player coming through, well, hang on, we did that with the Redbacks League and we came last three years in a row. Mm. So it's not about the number. The number is whatever number it takes in clubs to produce the result and you fish where the fish are. And that's what I'm concerned about is that the upshot of this will be those clubs that are the, the fittest or the fattest that have um, the best balance books are the ones that are going to come through, but they might not have the kids. They might not be the future. Mm. There is an argument. I've heard this before. They've in fact had a team. You know, you had a, a club like, um, I don't know, Gawler up, up the north, up right up the north growing area like that, and then you start to look at Mount Barker as well. That's where the fish are. It's mm. not a bad thought. What What about uh, a club like University, and this is in uh, most states around the country, uh, University are part of the Premier League club. Um, all their players come from other clubs. Is there... <sighs> 
Is that something that should be looked at by Saka, in your opinion? It's a tough one. So back in the day, I played for Flinders Uni when we used to be in the competition. One of my four clubs I played with. Um, and uh, we got kicked out of, of uh, the Stone Cricket Association because of those reasons, that we were basically a club full of players from other clubs, and indeed mostly from Sturt. So I've been through this argument before. I think Adelaide Uni do have a role to play, but I think... Uh, Part of that role, and indeed they're doing it now, is international students. Now, prior to COVID-19, there were 32,000 international students in Australia, a lot of them Hong Kong, India, Pakistan, etc. There's a great opportunity there to develop those students, I would have thought. And indeed, the South Australian government are looking to double that to 64,000, 65,000. If you can't get some good sides out of that and identify some talent that might be able to stay on in Australia, etc., and through our systems, uh, I'll go here for chasing. So I think there's a role there. I think they probably should go back to being a student club and maybe having two or three marquee players to make sure they are competitive uh, and uh, help uh, identify and produce other players that aren't, aren't otherwise in our system. I want to get your thoughts on what is currently playing out at Southern Districts. They have been asked by the Southern, uh, by Adelaide rather, to scrap their name if they were to merge with them. Now, if you were approached by another club and they said to you, Port Adelaide would have to lose their name in part of the merger, they would not be able to use Port Adelaide or anything to do with Port Adelaide in the name, how would you respond? Yeah, look, that's a really difficult one. The easy answer is it's got to have Port Adelaide in the name. I think for all the obvious reasons, Port Adelaide is an iconic district, part of South Australia. To not have that in the name, I think, would be a, a real shame, and I think our members would walk at that. So I have a lot of sympathy with what Southern District uh, Cricket Club are going through. You would have thought that if it comes down to the name, and this is why I think a good chat with someone like a Rex Sellers would be great, because apparently that was one of the sticking points, or a big sticking point, when those two pretty clubs were looking to emerge, Woodville and West Times. But if that becomes the problem, where well, we've all missed the point, haven't we? So mm-hmm. I think somewhere on there, Adelaide needs to relent, and it needs to be, you know, Adelaide Southern Stingrays done, I would have thought. Seems simple, doesn't it? <laughs> no, it's not that simple, yeah. Sam. That's just it. The name, this is where the emotion comes into any merger, is the name. Mm. And it's what people worry about and concerned about and losing heritage and losing records and all that sort of thing. And But if you do it right, uh, yeah, it can be done. It's been proved before. And especially at, at sample level, uh, we see it very yeah. successful at the moment. Um, Sean, just wrapping up before we let you go, um, the Port Adelaide Cricket Club are quite happy to run it alone. What happens at the end of the season if no mergers take place and Saka have the number of the Port Adelaide Football Club on a dartboard and the dart hits the Port Adelaide Football Cl- uh, Port Adelaide Cricket Club, I should say, and they come to you and say you're no longer in the competition? How hard do you fight? Well, we do. We always do, and we fight. Um, we'll be in that competition. Uh, and we've had this battle before and won it, and we'll have the battle again, and we'll be in it and win. What was it, just before we let you go, Sean, about that previous merger talk that got you to... What was it about that that you fought so hard for to, to manage to get out? Oh, I think there was a lot. I wasn't involved then, before my time, with Murray Bast when he was um, president. Right. Uh, and, but I did watch from afar and, and uh, monitor that. But the, the sticking points, and there were many, not least of which uh, was unconstitutional, which ultimately uh, was the reason that we uh, stayed in the competition. And, and don't get me wrong, um, I, I do think the competition needs a bit of a jolt. I don't think it's the way, 
in the way that's currently being proposed, it does need a jolt. It's just it was just motoring along. It needs it needs something else. It needs a disruptor. But I think it's got to be done for the right reasons. I'd like to see the full report. We've only seen the executive summary. I'd like to think mm. the full report talked about demographics and again where the fish are. If that's the case, um, Port Adelaide Enfield Council is the third or fourth fastest growing council uh, in South Australia. And we're in that. Mm. So that's where the fish are, along with the city of Marion and the city of Charles Sturt, which is all that western side. So if that's where the fish are and young kids are coming through there, well, why would you even think about amalgamating clubs out there and then not being a part of it? It doesn't make any sense. Mm. So I'd like to have seen some of the more academic pieces, a uh, piece of work behind this and, 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 and not uh, paradigms that people have hung on to for many years. And, and, and I think that's the thing is let's look at facts and, and use the, use the stats statistics as they should be used and not bent and or left out. Sean Holden, President of Port Adelaide District Cricket Club, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Thank you for your interest. Fantastic. There you go, Sean Holden from Port Adelaide Cricket Club. His words are quite strong. Fish where the fish are and their club is part of the answer, not part of the problem. We're hearing a lot of voices over the past couple of weeks about this and whether clubs should be reduced. And obviously clubs are going to stand up and fight for themselves. But we've also heard a lot of common sense from people saying, why would you get rid of a club out of this area Correct. simply to reduce the teams? Mm. This is the biggest growing area. Why you need a club in that area because people will not travel. Yeah. And, and, and even propose the possibility of, hey, do you even add a club? to the places where they need to be basically investing in cricket. And there are there are all these sorts of thoughts that probably haven't been put out there yet, so it's great to hear from another mind very close to the grey cricket circles. Sean Holden there, president of Port Adelaide Cricket Club. We're going to take your calls next day. Double two three double O double O on this. You can have your say, share your thoughts on where all this sits in grey cricket. It's a very, very interesting situation. We'll be back next on the other side here on the First Eleven Cricket Show. On 1395 Adelaide's 5AA, this is the First 11 Cricket Show. 25 to 7 here on 5AA, Saturday night with Sam Tugwell and Paul Bonzer here till 7 o'clock. Thanks for joining us here on the First 11 Cricket Show. We just spoke with the president of Port Adelaide District Cricket Club, Sean Holden. Spoke very strongly on behalf of his club in terms of these grade cricket mergers that are being proposed at the moment. There's just one between Southern Districts and Adelaide, but the talks are that they're only going to grow because Saka want their competition uh, re reduced down to 10 teams at maximum. They've currently got 13 bonds. So, again, Sean Holden, very clear that his club have not spoken to any other clubs as we speak about any mergers which is, I mean, yet another club ticked off, struck off the list. It's interesting as we speak to all the clubs, their approach. Obviously, they're all very proud of their own clubs and they speak very strongly. Um, but Andrew Sinclair did tell us that there was more than two clubs talking at the moment. And that is so fascinating. Who are they? And there is a, there's a few, like we got East Torrens on last week and they said, we haven't, Port Adelaide haven't. And we're not trying to just tick them off as we tick go, off. but. Well, we are really, are we? <laughs> well, it's not the aim, but it, ultimately, you know, there are some out there that are talking. How they are currently, how far in are they? Where are they? Um, what are the other considerations that maybe haven't been looked at 
and that maybe their members aren't happy with or, or would be happy to go with? Because right now, the, the main sticking point, we've talked about this a lot though, is the, the identity side for Southern Districts that they'd lose if they don't get part of their name um, alongside Adelaide if in a merged team. Um, that's, that's been the main issue, but it could be some other things, um, at another club and their conversations would be very, very different. So it's great to see these different sides to the story and, and what their thoughts are on what's currently unfolding too. I did like the way Sean Holden suggested that it would be sad to see that the fat clubs survive where the other clubs that are maybe struggling financially at the moment, and we're yes. talking this year, they may be very strong financially in, the, in five years. Correct. Um, that, yeah, the fat club survive and the, and the rest get pushed aside. That would be it. That would be sad. Yeah. It, it absolutely would be. So you can have your say, 8223 Give us a call. We've got all the time up to seven o'clock to take your calls on this. Now, Bonds, um, something you told me off air, which I'm going to just ask you right here and now. There's, um, a club that you're aware of that are having a meeting on Monday. Uh, it should probably stay off air, shouldn't it? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you about this. Is your um, club at Woodville? I, I have been, as a life member of the Woodville Cricket Club, I've been asked into a meeting on Monday night. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think the club's getting on the front foot here with all the talks about mergers and Woodville being, obviously, as they always are, talked about with merging with West Torrens, as the football club have. But there's also, I believe, um, some discussions with the football club about uh, getting a closer relationship there. So wow. it looks like the club's putting something to the life members. Um, maybe, maybe it's just a catch-up and a pizza. Well, if it I'll is... I'll find out Monday night, but I can tell you on next week's show. That, that's what I'm going to ask you about next week. That is definitely interesting. And, and well, I'm just going to connect some dots here. That sounds like super club sort of stuff. <laughs> I, hope, I hope it's super club territory. Imagine if... It, so, imagine, and, and this is a perfect time for it. I'm just going to put some dots together and make up a, a bit of an idea. If Woodville decided to merge with the footy club, Woodville West Torrens, they invited West Torrens into that. They became the Woodville West Torrens Cricket Club and football club, they use the same complex at Woodville. This is all just top of my head right now. I love this idea. Imagine if they could do this and they pull it off. They would become one of the strongest teams quite easily, and the facilities they have for their players would be exceptional. I would not, I would definitely, as a, as a Woodville or West Torrens person, um, look at that and go, geez, that sounds like an exciting prospect. You share the name, you share new facilities, there's new money, there's a football club associated with you. There'd be so much upside to that. I would love it. Interesting concept. Imagine if they did that. I oh. mean, we'll see on Monday what they do. But well, I don't, no, I, I'm not sure that that's the way it's going. I, I really have no idea. <laughs> I've just, just had an invite. So, but but it is it is interesting. The Super Club would that happen? In, or, you know, should football clubs and cricket clubs get closer together? Well, in a time where sample clubs are starting to run low on cash and cricket clubs are struggling too, and I mean, sport locally needs a little bit of a boost, this would be great. Glenelg Cricket Club, Glenelg Footy Club, yeah. play out of the same oval. Just think about the possibilities. Should they run under the one banner? It can work. It's really interesting. You could have your say on that as well. Eight double two three double o double o. Now, before we get to the grade scores, Bonds. Yes, mate. The Scorpions, we were talking about them a little earlier in action. They have got across the line. They have won by eight wickets. They've Magnus. romped it in. So they bowled the Queensland fire out. If you missed it at the start of the show, for 170 um, after 39 overs. Amanda Jade Wellington, three for... Tali McGrath, three for, and then they got the runs. Two for 172, they finish. Courtney Webb, 51, not out. 
Josie Dooley, 49, and out. Tali McGrath made 44 as well. So fantastic. The Scorpions are now 2-1. and one. It's second on and, the ladder. And flying. They are second on the ladder behind Tassie. So great job to our South Australian Scorpions. Very good news. Okay, to the grade schools, please. Okay, West Torrens played Adelaide. West Torrens made 317 last week. Ryan Gibson, 145. Bailey Capel, 93. Cam Valenti took four for 64. They bowled Adelaide out for 120 in the first innings. In the second innings, they were three for 178. Um, just a big win for West Torrens. Very good. And Spencer Johnson got five for in the first innings to roll Adelaide for 120. West Torrens get the point. Adelaide Uni played Southern Districts. Uh, Southern District's batter first will bowled out for 92. And Nick Winter got Pfeiffer. Wes Agar got three for strong bowling lineup, uh, uni side. And they made two for 266. Weatherold 69. Will Bazisto, who we mentioned about possibly mm. playing in the shield side, 120 not out. Wow. Sam Kerber 65. So maybe those runs have come at the right time. We Good will timing. see. So in the second innings, Southern Districts were five for 288. Sonny Gautam. Uh, made 101 not out, so well done to Sunny. Very down. Very well good. loved down there, we hear. Teetree Gully played East Torrens. East Torrens batted first last week, made 271. Jake Lehman, 144, as we mentioned well that done. earlier in the show as well. And in reply, on the back of a magnificent 100 from Travis Head. Yes. 108 not out. He got his team across the line. They oh. were eight down for 274 to get the points for the Gullies. Tate Robins, three for 59 for East Torrens. Trusting Ste- Trav. Yeah, Sturplay Glenelg. Um, Glenelg last week made 318. They bowled Sturt out for 123 on the back of a fantastic spell from another guy in the possibly uh, we spoke about in the Shield side. Yes. Liam Scott, six oh. for 19. Wow, that's incredible. So... And Alex Carey made 92 for Glenelg last week. So all the, all, all the Saka squad Here we go. are making runs at Premier level. All right, Port Adelaide uh, played Northern Districts. So, sorry, Glenelg with the win there. Port Adelaide played Northern Districts. Port Adelaide um, made 7 for 318 in a fantastic effort. Cooper, 63. Zach Warden made his first 100 for Port Adelaide. He was 100 not out. Congratulations. Northern Districts didn't quite get the runs, but uh, Cozzy, the man, it just keeps getting runs for fun. Mark Cosgrove uh, Mark needs Cosgrove. to just stop taking the PEI double five. <laughs> Another 100 for him. Uh, they were nine for 241 in the end. Cozzy, 115 not out. Extraordinary form he is in. Outstanding work. Uh, and in the last game of the round, Kensington batted last week, made 288. Elliot Opie, 113, batting nine. Wow. Uh, Josh Doyle. Batting nine. Not, yeah, we didn't get to this last <laughs> week. So Elliot Opie, what? yeah, 130. They were in trouble, Kenzie's. <laughs> and uh, Josh Doyle and Elliot Opie got them to 288. That was too much for Woodville. They were bowled out for 225. Louis Green made 88, and Dan Worrell, 5 for 42. So another Sacker squad member, Dan Worrell, mm. performing well at Premier Cricket level. Great timing for a 100 at number 9. That is outstanding. I'm a big fan of that. Hey, now, um, great work to all those people that performed over the last two weeks. Congratulations. Let's quickly talk about this before we go to a break. Now, I'd love our callers to you know, get on the line about this because this has really irked me. <laughs> There's a story that came out during the week, and they are suggesting, Cricket Australia, that they could replace the Marsh Cup, that's the one-day competition domestic, with uh, you know all their state teams, that could be replaced 
by Big Bash franchises. So, in essence, Cricket Australia would make a one-day Big Bash competition. Do you think they should do that, Bonds? Should we talk about it after the break? Oh, no. Oh, don't, don't do this. On 1395 Adelaide's 5AA, this is the First 11 Cricket Show. 12 minutes to 7, 5AA, Saturday night with Sam Tugwell. Paul Bonzer here for another few minutes up until 7. Then uh, plenty of talkback coming up after that with Andrew Reimer. Bonds, uh, we mentioned this just before the break, a slight <laughs> tease. It was a bit silly. Um, the one-day competition in the domestic comp, which is uh, all the South Australian Redbacks and the New South Blues and the Victorias and all that sort of stuff, they get together, they play, play the Marsh One Day Cup, and it's absolutely fantastic. People like us, all the, the traditionalists out there, absolutely love seeing a bit of domestic one-day cricket because yep. it takes us back to the Mercantile Cup 90 sort of days. We love that coloured state stuff. But Cricket Australia want to change all that. Cricket Australia have suggested during the week that Big Bash franchises could come in and replace those teams. In essence, the Adelaide Strikers would play a one-day competition instead of the Redbacks. You're a bit dark about this, aren't you? How do you feel first? Um, <laughs> I, I don't think it should happen. Because how do you – a one-day comp – with two teams out of Melbourne, two teams out of yeah, uh, I, I, I the talent pool gets spread. Mm. I, I don't know. I'm filthy. I, I, I like the Redbacks playing one day cricket. I like to see the red strip. Yeah, it's something we we kind of long for. Once you've seen a lot of white out there with the shield cricket, and you you want to see a little bit of colour. You want to? That's what you sort of come back to domestic cricket and go. Where's where's the one day stuff now? Give me Callum Ferguson in red. Give me Travis Head in red, hitting runs with a white ball. I want to see that. We've seen the big bash for two or three months. We don't want to see that anymore. Put that away. I think the fact that it is a state based competition. That's what I love about it too. I don't want to see big bash blue. I don't want to see the Adelaide Strikers playing one day cricket. They're they're our T Twenty team. Yes. Leave them as our T20 team. Yep. The argument will be, from Cricket Australia, well, the kids love the Adelaide Strikers. It's not about the bloody kids. They ones. love the Adelaide Strikers. No. They, they don't even know who the Redbacks are, which is not right. But <laughs> but the, the reason they love the Big Bash is because it's targeted at the cricket, Correct, at, at, at the, the youngsters. Yeah. And they promote... Over the top, big bash, big bash, big bash, while it's happening. And the money's there. Bonds, I'm, I could unleash. I'm going to try and hold myself back. But honestly, this is one of the most ridiculous ideas. Is it a farce? Oh, it's a farce. It is 100% because you're looking at this. They want two more teams. So they want, they want to expand it by adding in the two Sydney and two Melbourne teams. Yes. So you'd have the Renegades and the Stars playing in a one-day comp. So it's essentially a one-day Big Bash competition. And we've already seen a long enough Big Bash T20 competition. So by the end of the Big Bash T20, I've had enough. What they, what they fail to understand is that this is not about the kids. The Big Bash and T20 is about the kids because they've targeted at them. They've built it around, let's get kids into cricket. Let's get them loving cricket because it's going to be glitzy. It's going to be bright and colourful. It's going to be short for them. It's going to be fast and entertaining. And and the kids love that and they've been brought up on it. And hence, why in their report when they suggested this, that kids are more attached to the strikers and the stars and the heat? Because they've been brought up to love this form of cricket. That's how they've been brought into cricket. For the older people who want 
one day cricket because they love one day cricket. That's what they were brought up on in the eighties, the nineties, the, the early two thousands, like us. We want to see the state based teams who we have an emotional attachment with. We don't have an emotional attachment to the strikers. The strikers could win. And as much as I love them, the, the one day cup 10 years in a row, I wouldn't have an attachment and the same feeling of jubilation and excitement if they won that than if the Redbacks won something. It's, I, it's a, it's a totally different thing. I would be surprised if, if people actually got on the bad wagon here because you're right. People start to complain at the end of the big bash. Oh, another big bash game. Another big bash game. Yeah. What? And then we're going to add 50 overs to this as well? Yeah. You don't want to flood the market. Correct. Because then you, you lose what you've got with T20 cricket. You've got something special. People complain that they've extended a few more games to get some more money. It still needs to go back, I think. Yeah. It still needs to be a shorter competition. The fact they want to add more instead of taking away, that's the, that's the problem. People aren't that invested in franchises we get it we understand why they went away from the state-based t20 stuff into franchises because the big bash works as a marketing idea but that is not what people are invested in and wonder and let's be honest here we talk about the sheffield shield being the place where we blood our next test cricketers if we want to win world cups which is a 50 over competition we're not doing it by playing veterans and international cricketers in our domestic 50 over competition we play it uh, we win it by blooding our next Aussie one-day cricketers through a domestic state comp. Which we've done. Um, the other thing, I, th- I think that when with the big bash, when there was four or five home games for each team, you were getting, at the Adelaide Oval, you were getting 45, 50,000 to a game. Now you're lucky to get 20. Mm. So that tells you that they've flooded the market too much already. Yeah. They need to shrink it back, get the crowds back there. And make it a competition that doesn't go too long. Just adding a 50 over comp to it just extends it out even more. Are they, are they they've already killed the golden goose, but have, are they yes. slaughtering it now by thinking of this idea? Cause I just cannot, I can't see a world where this would work. Makes no sense to me, Sam. <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite extraordinary. But, but anyway, if that's going to continue to play out, which it might, if that's Cricket Australia's serious proposal, um, That'll be interesting to follow because I'd like to think that that just stops right in its tracks right now and someone tells them that's a, that's a seriously crazy idea. Before we go, we're a few minutes away. A bit of best of coming up here on 5AA after 7 o'clock. The IPL auction happened on uh, Thursday night. Extraordinary results for some of our Australian cricketers, um, especially two in particular who walked away with $2.5 million, Glenn Maxwell and Jai Richardson. Amazing results for them as, as cricketers. They'll head to the IPL with uh, a very nice lining in their pocket. They certainly will. There's some big checks being run out. <laughs> Maxie, great. Look, I, I love, I love Glenn Maxwell and it's fantastic to see him get uh, a big payout. I was a little bit surprised with Steve Smith. Massive pay cut. Yeah. Ricky Ponting got steal of the auction. I think so. Steve Smith was on a two and a half million dollar deal as one of the best cricketers in the world, uh, his last contract, and rightfully so. He went and got sold for three hundred and ninety thousand dollars. He got he got he lost two mil. Like don't how get, can your stocks drop so far? <laughs> I know me, he had a crap IPL not last year, but seriously. We'd all take four hundred grand to play oh, cricket yeah. for six, <laughs> for six weeks. Um and, but what about the bowlers? Riley oh. Meredith is a millionaire. How about that? 1.4. Jai Richardson. 
It's crazy. His jo- yeah, let's have a listen to Jai Richardson. His, his world changed after he found he woke up um, the next morning to find out he'd gone for $2.5 million. Have a listen. It's an amazing result. It's life-changing, to be honest, um, and it's so fresh. Uh, it, you know, it's only happened last night that uh, I haven't actually had a whole lot of time to process it. Um, it's exciting. It's, it's almost nerve-wracking. There's a bit of expectation on you, too, when you get bought out by that much money. My highlight of the uh, IPO auction, Sam, was a text from Sam Billings. Uh, Sorry, a a tweet from Sam Billings. Um, My girlfriend just turned to me and goes, why aren't you a bowler? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which is great. So... Always looking for a bit of extra cash. Oh, it's fantastic. She could have got a couple more pairs of shoes. And everyone says it's a batsman's game. <laughs> hey, uh, Bonds, we're just out of time. But um, for those who have just tuned in late to the show, we spoke to Sean Holden, president of Port Adelaide Cricket Club. Um, and we've spoken to, over the last few weeks, a lot of people close to this grade cricket merger competition uh, proposals. And for those who are interested in learning more about that, we will be close to that situation over the next few weeks as well, all the way through uh, to when these special general meetings happen and uh, and we'll be keeping you up to date so if you'd like to subscribe to our podcast uh, wherever you find them first 11 cricket show you can just search that and you'll find us we'll be doing podcasts once we're done here on our 5 AA stint um, which i believe ends next week because the footy starts pretty soon so if you want to subscribe to the podcast we will continue to provide content and interviews and and, and information on the in the yeah. space because it's important to keep people up to date. Yeah, and obviously people want to hear because the numbers, like we said, in the past couple of weeks have gone through the roof. So, again, we thank you for your support and we thank you for listening. It's fantastic. Thanks so much once again for tuning in. Andrew Rhyme is going to be on after 8 o'clock. For now, we'll be back next Saturday.